All right, John chapter number 20, and uh, it's a little bit crowded tonight, and so uh, if you'll do your best, make sure your phone is off and, and uh, make sure your husband's not clipping his toenails, those kinds of things, all right? John chapter number 20, look at verse 19. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said, he showed unto him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord and said, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And by the way, that command is still good for us today. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, ye are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. How many of you are glad that you're not Thomas? <laughs> the other disciples therefore said unto him, of course, later on, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. How many think that Thomas regrets saying that? Especially since it's recorded in the Bible for eternity. Look at verse 26. Eight days again, his disciples were within. They were having church. Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he unto Thomas, Reach thither and my, thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, be, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and have believed. Amen. And many other signs, many other signs, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in the book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believeth ye might have life through his name. This story takes place almost at exactly the same time in relationship to his resurrection that we are today. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ, and here we are a week later in this story, Christ has died. He in, was in the tomb for three days. And the Bible, as we know, he rose again on the third day. Early that morning, while it was yet dark, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to see uh, the tomb and to, to, to spend time there where Jesus was. Well, when she got there, we don't know what time it was. It could have been four or five o'clock in the morning. It was still dark. She gets there and the, t- the stone is rolled away. She's, ec- she's uh, ecstatic. She doesn't know what's happened. The Bible says she thinks somebody took his body, so she's worried. So she looks inside. She tries to find him. You know the story. She goes and she finds uh, John and she finds Peter and she tells them. She says, you won't believe this. He's not there. Christ is gone. We don't know where he is. And the Bible says that John and Peter ran <laughs> after uh, to go back to the, the tomb. I love that story because John lets you know that he outran Peter and uh, he's the one that wrote it. You know, just so everybody knows, I outran him. I'm in better shape. 
faith than Peter. And so John gets to the tomb first. He looks inside. He sees the napkin. He sees the grave clothes. And, and, and Peter looks inside. The Bible says that John believed that Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't say that about Peter. And they, they leave. They go, they go away. And while Mary is standing there, she's waiting. Mary Magdalene, the Bible says that the angels were sitting in there, one at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus' body was. And they said in her, why are you? Uh, they're, they're sitting there. And then all of a sudden she hears a voice. Why are you weeping? She turns around. She thinks it's the gardener, but it wasn't the gardener. It was Christ. She recognizes him that he's risen from the dead. Later on that day, now it's the evening, that evening. The disciples are gathered together. They're having church together. They don't know what to do. They're kind of nervous. The door is locked. They're afraid of being caught themselves, and there's electricity in the air. They feel like they know something is happening. Peter and John saw an empty tomb, and they saw the clothes there. They saw the stone rolled away. They're talking to each other. We don't know if Mary, Mary had talked to them or not from this passage of Scripture, but we know that they feel something is going on. Something is happening. They're debating. Do you think that Jesus is alive? Do you really think that he's alive? What do you think is going on? And then all of the sudden, the door is locked. It's shut. Nobody can get in or out. All of the sudden, a bright light, bright light shines in the room. The men shrink in fear. And then they feel the warmth of someone's presence that they know. They recognize right away that right in front of them stood Jesus Christ. Right there in the middle of the room stood a man that was dead. They saw him die. They saw him buried. They knew he was in the grave. And here he was standing in front of them. Can you see that moment in your eye? Those men are standing there and Jesus is there and he's looking at them and they feel that warmth of him coming off and they bow down to his feet and they start to cry. And they say, they say Jesus, we can't believe it. I can't believe you're alive. We saw you die. And they're so excited and they're so ecstatic that Christ is now alive. The Bible says they were glad. When they saw the Lord, what a moment. What an amazing experience for those men to see Christ risen from the dead. But look at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Can you imagine Christ shows himself to the fir- for the first time to his followers and Thomas missed it? He just missed the opportunity. Has anybody here ever missed out on something? Yeah. This is something you didn't want to miss out on. Thomas missed it. Tonight, I want to preach a message titled, Don't Miss Out on His Presence. Don't Miss Out on His Presence. Let's pray together. Father, I come before you tonight, and I ask for your help. Lord, I pray in this room, Lord, tonight, that you would move and, again, speak to our hearts. Help my words not to just fall on the ground. And, and, but, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. You would speak to us through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted, change us where we need to change, Lord, encourage us where we need encouragement tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There are several ways that a believer can experience the presence of God in their life. I believe one of the greatest ways, and there's many ways we could talk about Bible reading and different things like that, but I believe the greatest way and one of the greatest ways to enter into his presence is through prayer. To enter into the presence of God is through prayer. The Bible challenges us to come boldly before the throne of grace. This is all introduction. We'll get into the points in a minute. But the Bible challenges us. It calls to us to come before his presence with thanksgiving. He tells us, he calls to us to come before him in prayer. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. Prayer will change your life. It'll change your walk with God. True, dedicated 
Purposeful prayer, sacrificial prayer will bring you into God's presence. Maybe today you're here and you haven't really felt the presence of God in your life and you haven't really felt like God is with you. Maybe you haven't felt like you haven't been able to spend time with God or you're not connected to God. What you need to do is you need to block out some time early in the morning and get up early in the morning before everyone's calling you, before everyone's texting you, before your kids are awake and you need to spend some time in prayer. And all God's people said, amen. Prayer will bring you into the presence of God. I believe that. I believe that. The presence of God can be found in the prayer closet. Christ calls to us in Matthew chapter number 11, verse 28. He says to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. Many accept Christ into their hearts and they, they come unto Christ for salvation. But oftentimes they come to Christ for salvation and then they leave Christ as soon as salvation is the, the, the salvation, the, 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 when they're saved, they come away from him and they leave him and they don't abide in him. Christ wants us to come unto him for salvation, but he also wants us to abide in him. He wants us to stay with him in communion, to stay with him in communication, pray without ceasing, come before his presence with thanksgiving. Christ wants, to, uh, wants us not just to come unto him, but he wants us to abide in him. Andrew Murray says it this way. It is to you who have heard and hearkened to the call, come unto me, that this new invitation comes, abide in me. The message comes from the same loving Savior. You doubtless have never repented, having come at his call. You experienced that his word was truth, all his promises he fulfilled. He made you partakers of the blessings and the joy of his love. Was not his welcome most hearty, his pardon full and free, his love most sweet and precious? More than once at our first coming to him, you had reason to say the half was not told me. And yet you have had to complain of disappointments. As time went on, your expectations were not realized. The blessings you once enjoyed were lost. The love and joy at your first meeting with your Savior, instead of deepening, have become faint and feeble. And often you have wondered, what is the reason for this? And with such a Savior and so mighty and so loving, your experience of salvation should not have been fuller. The answer is very simple. You have wandered from him. The blessings he bestows are all connected with come unto me and are only enjoyed in close fellowship with Christ. For those of, those of you that are saved tonight, let's go a little bit deeper than the sur surface tonight. Uh, it's more than just my sins are forgiven. It's more than just I'm going to heaven, and I'm glad that your sins are forgiven and thankful that we're going to heaven. But it's deeper than that. We come to Christ because we need salvation, but we abide in Christ because we need his presence. We need his presence. There's all kinds of pills that you can take to... Uh, help you feel better. There's all kinds, man, everywhere I go, there's the, there's the billboard for deliver right to your doorstep. We'll do it. It's easy. You just deliver right to, and all these things. And, 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 and may I just say what Christians don't need is a pill. What Christians don't need is a joint. What Christians don't need is a bottle. What we need is to spend time with, with our savior. Yeah. We don't need relationships. We don't need entertainment. We don't need all, the, all those things are fine. If you have those things, that's great. But may I just say what we need more than anything in our life is to spend time in the presence of our Savior. That's what we need. Don't miss out on his presence. Prayer is sweet fellowship with God. Prayer is one way that we come into his presence. But there's another way that I believe we come into his presence. And I want to focus on that a little bit tonight. And I believe that we come into his presence with God's people. 
at a place that we like to call church. I believe we come into his presence with God's people. Matthew chapter number 18, verse 19 to 20. Jesus said, again, I say unto you that if two, uh, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything and shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. And where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Hey, when we come together in church, hey, are you listening tonight? When we come together in church, whether it's two of us or 200 of us, Christ is there in the midst of us. His presence is there. Listen, when we come to church together, it's more than just a potluck. Amen. It's more than just fried chicken and high fives. Hey, when we come together for church, Christ is there. God is there. His presence is here tonight. His presence is here. I'm not making that up. You might not understand that. You might want to check your salvation. All I'm saying tonight is when you come to church, Christ is there. His presence is there. God is there. This is why church is so important to God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that wives be subject to their own husbands and everything, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. The word for church is ecclesia. It means to be a called out congregation, a community of members or believers. It means a called out assembly, a group of people that come together, that organize together for the sole purpose of worship and glorifying God. Our purpose as a church, our, our purpose as a church is to glorify God, number one, and to take the gospel to the world, number two. Our number one purpose is to bring glory to God. He died for us so that he could present himself a spotless church. He could present himself a church without spot or wrinkle. That's what our goal is as a church is to bring glory to God. Amen and the gospel to the world. And so we see here that church is important. What makes us a church? We're all saved. Well, if you're here tonight and you're saved, and praise the Lord, we're, we're saved. And what, what makes us a church? We're a called out assembly. We have come from our homes. We've come from our places of business. We've come from Stockton. We've come from Modesto. We've come from Ripon. We've come from uh, Lathrop. We've come from all of, we come together. We're an assembly. We're a church. That's important to God. Come on now, that's important to God. It's important. Don't cheapen church with a humanistic definition of it. Don't cheapen church by treating it haphazardly. Church is sacred. The ceremony of the assembly belongs to Christ. Church time is God's time. I said church time is God's time. It demands all of our faculties. It engages all of our senses. Church is to bring us into the very presence of God. That's what church is for. Church is not a talent show. Church is not a nightclub. Church is not an attraction to entertain us and to keep us busy. Church is not a place for our kids to hang out and have a good time. Church is to bring us into the presence of Almighty God. It's important. It's important to God. Christ died for the church. So here his disciples were. Christ has been killed. And what do they do? They didn't know what to do. They were assembled together. They were having church. All of them, except for one guy, Thomas. Poor Thomas. Thomas had to miss church that day. He was MIA. And in eternity, Thomas will be nicknamed Doubting Thomas. It's important to be in church because God meets with us here. So, well, can I worship God at home? But God is here during church. God is with us. You don't want to miss it. Come on now. 
Don't get nervous on me. <laughs> Listen, I understand you can worship God in a boat. I get it. I've done it. Amen. I want to do it this week. Amen. <laughs> men and boys camp out. By the way, men and boys camp out is this week, if you guys are interested. Going to Lake Berryessa a couple hours from here. It's going to be a great time. We have plenty of room sites reserved if you want to sign up tonight. You can worship God and those kinds of things. But listen, there's something special about church. Oh, come on now. I said, there's something special about church. Yes, you have presence. You meet the presence of God in your prayer time. It's a special time. And yes, you can have the presence of God in your family devotions. Yes, but there's something special about church. The presence of God is there. These men were meeting together and Thomas wasn't there. He was not there. Jesus showed up and Thomas missed out. What do we miss out on when we miss out on his presence? What are we missing out on when we miss out on his presence? I want to give you three quick things tonight. Number one, we miss out on the peace of his presence. The peace of his presence. Jesus says twice in this chapter. Matter of fact, the first thing he says to his disciples when he stands into that room, the first thing that comes out of the mouth of our, of our risen Savior is peace be unto you. Why did he say that, Josh? They were really afraid. Not only were they afraid of the Jews, but here's this, all of a sudden this bright light shines in the, oh, and they were afraid. And, and boy, they were nervous. What, is the, what in the world is going on? And Jesus said, peace be unto you. And he says it again, peace be unto you. He said, verse 21, again, peace be unto you. The disciples were in this room. The door was shut. It was locked. This was not a good time to be a Christian. There was fear in the air. There was dread in the air. I don't know if you've been watching the news of what's going on in Canada about that church that they have uh, put a fence around and they put a black tarp over their sign and have security guards keeping churches out. I want to tell you, we live in a day that's getting pretty scary. It's getting scary out. I watched another thing the other day where uh, a soccer player in Australia uh, was fired from his team because he basically just quoted a Bible verse on his, on his social media, and it's called, it's called, it caused damage, is what they said. It's causing damage to people's lives. We're, get, we're entering into the same kind of situation that these Christians were in. Fear was in the air. Dread was in the air. Fear and anxiety, stress of what was going on. They wondered, what's next? What are we supposed to do? All of this stress, all of this stress, all of this stress was dispelled immediately at his presence. Peace. You know, we could really get worked up about what's going on out there. How many with me tonight? I want to just caution you. Don't live your life in fear. Peace. Peace. I will give them perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I can give you peace that passes all understanding, Christ says. Peace be unto you. What do you miss out on when you miss his presence? You miss the peace of his presence. Those men that were in that room, they were so scared. They had troubles and trials. They didn't know what to do. They were so worried about what was going on. But as soon as Jesus showed up, it brought peace. I like what Numbers chapter 6 tells us. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Hey, in your prayer time, that's where you find peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, thanksgiving. Boy, maybe tonight you have fear in your heart. You have anxiety and stress, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You need to get in the presence of God because you'll find peace in his presence. What else do we miss? Not only do we miss the peace of his presence, but number two, we miss the proof of his presence. The proof of his presence. I like this part. Look at verse 24. Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him some time later, obviously 
at a different time. Maybe it was the next day or maybe it was later that evening after Christ had gone. Maybe they went straight to Thomas's house and said, hey, why weren't you in church, man? Why'd you miss church? Jesus showed up. Of course, he gets mad. He gets defensive like most people do when they're not in church. Woo, help us now. Come on now. Shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. He says, except I stick my finger in his side, I won't believe it. I won't believe it. Except I say, and boy, what a statement. What a hard statement. What a hard statement. He says, can you imagine that? He said, except I see the prints of the nails and except I thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I won't believe it. When Jesus showed up in that upper room, he helped those men. I said, he helped those men. How many of you ever get helped by being in the presence of God? He helped those men. They were scared, man. They didn't know what to do. They were paralyzed in fear. But as soon as Christ showed up, I said, as soon as Christ showed up, they felt his presence. They saw his presence. They had their proof. Christ was alive. Everything was better. Everything was different now. Christ is alive. I know for sure. I've been in his presence. They had the proof of his presence. Seeing is believing. I love that verse, verse 29. Christ says to him, blessed are they that have seen, but blessed are they that have not seen and believe. Amen. Guess what? You're one of those today. You're one of those. You haven't seen Christ's face. You haven't seen his hands. You haven't seen his side. But if you know Christ as your Savior tonight, oh, I feel some preaching coming on now. I say, you feel, if you know Christ as your Savior tonight, and you're sitting here and you know Christ as your Savior, you don't need to see his hands. You don't need to see his side because he's proved himself over and over and over and over again in your heart right here. And if you've ever been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, nobody could ever talk you out of that salvation. Somebody could put a gun to your head and say, recant your salvation. And you'll say, oh, no, sir. I know whom I've had believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. May I just say tonight, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but when I bowed my head and I accepted Christ, there's no man on this planet that can tell me that didn't happen to me. I know I've seen him. I've seen him. I've not, I've not seen his face. I've never seen his hands, but blessed are those that have not seen and have believed. Listen, when you get into the presence of a holy God, you're changed forever. You're changed forever. And maybe you're here tonight. I don't know about you, but maybe you're here tonight and you've never felt that presence and you don't have the proof that you're looking for. Then I would get on this altar tonight and I would say, dear God, please show me yourself. Show me yourself. God, I want to be saved. I want to know for sure that you're real in my life. We live in a generation where young people have access to way more information that they need. They have way more information than they have life experience to deal with. And so they're on their phone and they're watching YouTube videos and they're reading all this garbage and stuff and their little minds can't comprehend it and so they're looking brother Asprey for something real they're looking for something where is the proof where is the proof can we is there something that I can touch is there some YouTube video I can watch about Jesus that'll answer my questions can I tell you something tonight when Jesus was alive he healed the people right in front of the Pharisees he healed the blind man he lifted up the guy with palsy he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes and they still didn't believe and they still didn't believe and the Pharisees literally on the Sabbath day, watched him heal somebody and said, I can't believe you just healed that guy on the Sabbath day. We're looking for, for proof of Christ. We're looking for something concrete. Can I just tell you something? You're not going to find some kind of tablet. You're not going to find some kind of leather cloth that was over his face. You're not going to find some thing, some artifact somewhere. You're not going to find some documentary that's going to answer all your questions. What you need to do is get on that altar right there and ask Jesus to save you of your sins. And what he does in your heart is proof enough. It's proof enough. When you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, there is no one that can take that away from you. No one. No one. 
Nothing. When you know Christ as your Savior, listen, I'm just telling you tonight, there is proof in his presence. I said, there is proof. Young people, look at your pastor right now. You might be searching for something real. I want to see something real. Then you need to get saved, my brother. You need to get saved. You need to come to Christ because when you know Christ as your Savior, that's as real as it gets, my friend. You can't shake that. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? You can't shake salvation. Amen. (laughs) It's there. It's there forever. Amen. Oh, there was proof. The disciples tried to convince Thomas, oh, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. We saw him. You wouldn't believe it. We saw him. He said, nah, except I see it. I'm not believing anything. I was reading uh, something the other day. A guy who writes for a Christian magazine taught for Moody Bible Institute. And I I see these things sometimes. And it said that he, he said on his Instagram, he came out on his Instagram and he said, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore hundreds of thousands of followers. And some guy of, of some worship team did that a few months ago. He came out and said, I don't believe in Christ anymore. And some other Christian uh, rock singer a few years before said that, I don't really believe in Christ. And some guy from Hillsong came out and said that, I don't believe in Christ. This is happening a lot. But that doesn't surprise me because the truth is, you might think, well, how can someone who knew Christ and how could someone who who, who was saved, and how could someone who understood the gospel ever turn their back on God? How can they do that? The answer is a lot more simple than you realize. They never did. Amen. Thanks, Dad. I was going to read that. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 4 through 6. For it is, the word is not maybe, it is not uh, uh, possibly, the word is impossible. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of this world to come, if they should fall away to be renewed again unto repentance. It's not likely, it's not unlikely, it's impossible. Because once you've, <laughs> once you've touched this, <laughs> I think about those disciples, once they saw those hands, once they saw that side, they were sold. They were sold so much that they were willing to die for it. I think about the Christians over the years, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I think about William Tyndale. I think about people who literally burned at the stake and, and killed because of their faith in Christ. It was real to them. It's real to them. May I just say tonight, these, these, uh, these phonies who come out and say, I didn't believe, I actually never believed in Christ anyways. I'm too smart for that. Listen, I want to tell you something. They never had Christ in here. I don't know why they were doing what they were doing, but it wasn't for him. Amen. Because I want to tell you something. Once you have Christ in here, once you've seen him in here, you can't get him out. You can't unhear. Listen, you can't unhear his voice. You can't unfeel his touch. You can't unsave yourself. Some people say, well, I believe you can lose your salvation. I believe you can walk away from God. No, you can't. Because once Christ has touched your life, you can't walk away from that. Now, you can pretend to come to Christ and then walk away from Christ. Many will be in that day. Matthew chapter number seven. Many will be in that day. Have we not said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful works in thy name? And he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I I never knew you. And I'm not suggesting tonight that there are those that are here that don't know Christ. All I'm trying to say, all I'm saying simply tonight is this. Once you have Christ in your life, that's all the proof you need. It's all the proof you need. You have to take that step of faith. You have to take that step of faith in your life. I just, I I said a lot of stuff in my notes and I got to catch up with myself. Amen. (laughs) Can I just say this? That's why it's important to be in church. 
Because that's where the presence of God is. God is in church. He's here with us right now. Listen, we don't fool around with church. It's a serious thing. Church is a serious thing. Things are happening in church that you don't even realize. This morning, I was praying for a few things today. I could never tell a living soul, but I saw God do some things today. You didn't see it, but God, God allowed me to see it only because I've been praying for it. And I just want to tell you something. Serious stuff is going on in church. So maybe it's time to put the nail clippers away. Maybe it's time to get off your cell phone. By the way, if you can sit in church and watch your cell phone the whole time, there's probably a problem inside of here somewhere. Amen? There's not, something's wrong in here. When you can listen to the preacher out of one ear and read the sports scores out of the other, something is wrong. You haven't been in the presence of God in a while. It's just the truth. See, how do you know people are clipping their fingernails? You don't want to know. <laughs> it's pretty gross. <laughs> Church isn't something to mess around with. Church, but the presence of God is important. You don't want to miss out. You never know when the Holy Spirit's going to ring your bell. Sometimes I preach a message, Brother Asprelli. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. Sometimes I preach a message and I think, man, I wish so-and-so could have heard that. They needed that today. They needed that encouragement. That would have really encouraged them. But they weren't here. They were like Thomas, just missed out. I'm not suggesting that I'm not suggesting, well, I am suggesting you should be in church every chance you get. Amen. Amen? You should. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. Listen, there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of entertainment out there. There's a lot of things to do out there, but I know where God is. He's right here. You want to catch it. You want to catch it. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. God might have something for you in the message. God might have something for you. Boy, those girls sang tonight. It's all through the blood. That song might have done something for you. You wouldn't have got watching Netflix at home. Boy, I just tell you tonight, there might be something in the message tonight you needed for the rest of this week and for the rest of your life and for your kid's life and for your grandkid's life. It could have happened tonight. I don't know, but you would have missed it if you weren't here. You would have missed it. You would have missed it. For those of you watching online, I'm not chiding you. I'm not chiding you. If you have to watch, some have to watch online. They're taking care of loved ones and so on. Well, listen, when you're watching at home, you gotta, it's, it's even harder. And so take special care to make sure your phone is in the other room, to make sure the distractions. Why? Because you don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. All right, I got to move on here. What do we miss? We miss out on his peace. We miss out on the proof of his presence. Lastly, and I love this part, we miss out on the power of his presence. Look at verse 30. I love this. And many other signs, many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in the book. <clears throat> you understand what that's saying right there? That Jesus did a lot of things in the presence of his disciples. A lot of wonderful works in the presence of his disciples. There was power that they saw through Christ in the presence of Christ. They saw his power. They saw his power. Listen, they saw his power. They watched Christ do some things in their midst. They got to see his power. Well, I was watching that video tonight and I was watching that church. You heard what the lady said, 10 people when that pastor came. If you know Brother Isaac, he's just a timid guy. He's just a quiet guy. There's nothing special about him. And But he went to that place and God's power showed up in that place. And now there's people there. They said 80 or so, but he told me this last week they had 126 in church there. They busting out walls. Listen, you say, how did that happen? Because brother, brother Isaac is so talented. You talk to the guy, he'll tell you. He, he doesn't have the talent. Neither do I. It's not about our talent. It's 
It's about the power of God. And listen, those people are coming to that church not because of him, not because of his, his looks or his ability or anything like that. They come because they're watching the power of God move. And listen, I want to tell you something tonight. I know I'm yelling a lot, but I hope you're listening. Listen, we come to this church. I hope you're watching because the power of God is doing something in our midst. He's working. People are getting saved. Last week on Easter, some of you were sleeping. Some of you were on your cell phone. But over 40 people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior last week in this church. And listen, some of them, oh, hey, praise the Lord for that. Amen. No, I want to tell you something. God is moving whether you're paying attention or not. And I just want you to say, I just want to say something. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God is doing. And even if God didn't save 10 people, and even if God didn't save 40 people, and even if God wasn't doing miracles, listen, his power is still there. It is still there. Oh, he did a lot of things in the presence of his disciples. This is what's exciting to me because the same Jesus that those men serve and the same Jesus that did wonderful things in their presence is the same Jesus that you and I serve tonight. It's the same God. And guess what? He's not done. Jesus is not done working. I know he's coming soon. I know he's going to return soon, but he's not done yet. There's some things that he wants to do in this church. There's some things he wants to do in your life. There's some things he wants to do with your kids. There's some things he wants to do in your marriage. There's some things he wants to do with the law outside of this world, outside of these walls. I'm just simply telling you, God is not done. Jesus is, how many believe that Jesus has power? Hey, listen, you want, listen, you got to get in his presence. You got to get in his presence to get that power, to see that power, to watch him work that power. God wants to save people. God wants to help people change their life. God wants to reconcile people. He wants to give them a fresh start. God wants to heal people. God wants to do miracles. God wants to do the impossible, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss a single thing. It's exciting to me. The power of God is still found in his presence. Now, I want to bring it home just real quick, and I'll pray. How many of you need God's power in your life? You know, I don't mean to bring it down here, but we're raising our kids in some pretty weird times. Daniel, you know what I'm talking about. Got baptized last week. Come on, brother. (laughs) We need God's power. Mrs. Lynch, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to raise my boys in, these, in this. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to explain to them everything. I don't know what's going to happen with my grandkids. I have no idea. I know this, Brother Soto, I need God's power. Amen. I don't know what our church is going to do when they say you can't preach that. I don't know what we're going to do uh, when they come and they say you can't do that anymore. I don't know, but I know this. We need God's power. Amen. There's some people coming to this church right now. You don't know who they are. I would never tell you. But they've told me I'm not saved. They come every week. They sit in the service every week. They don't know Christ as their Savior. They've told me as much because I've asked them, and they're honest, and I appreciate that. Amen? Every week I'm praying God will save some of these people. There are spouses. There are spouses represented in this room. There's people here tonight. Their spouses aren't saved, and they've confided in me. Pastor, pray for my spouse. I can't do that, but God can. So I'm praying for them to get saved. There's kids here represented tonight, young people that have walked away from their parents. They've walked away from God. They've spit on on their heritage. And listen, we can get mad about that, but we can also pray about that. We need God's power. I look at our young people in this room tonight, our teenagers, our our, our junior hires. They're growing up in a world, uh, Tim, they're growing up in a world you and I didn't grow up in. These these teenagers know stuff you and I didn't know until we got to college, man. Not only do they know about it, they can, they can look up and see anything that they want. We need God's power. Amen. 
Heaven forbid that we think that we're all that because we're nothing. Patrick, we need God's power, don't we? We do. Oh, we do. So what do we need to do? We need to get in his presence and ask for it. We need to get in God's presence and say, God, I've done all I can do. I've come to, come to the end of myself. I've come to the end of my rope. I got nothing left. I've cried every tear I can cry. I've said everything I can say. God, I need you to do something. And he still works. Come on now. He's still working. Amen. So don't stop praying because he's still working. Amen. Don't stop showing up because his power is still there. God is not done yet. I say God is not done yet. So keep praying and keep showing up and keep serving God because there's some more stuff he wants to do. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. It's time to pray like we've never prayed. Enough trying to manipulate, trying to strategize. Enough with the 10-step program book. Enough with the self-help material. Listen, I, I like all that stuff. I, I think it's great. Well, you know what we need to do? Instead of reading five steps to a, a better you, we need to get on the step and pray to our Holy Savior. Amen. And say, God, <laughs> I've tried the five steps. It didn't work. <laughs> the power of God is in his presence. Don't miss out. Jesus showed up that day, <clears throat> and all those disciples got to be in his presence, but Thomas wasn't there. He wasn't there. I'll just leave you this last thought. Aren't you glad for God's grace? Aren't you glad when you miss out, he gives you another chance? Because if you read the text, eight days later, guess where Thomas was? He was in his presence. He said, I missed out last week, but I'm not missing out this week. So maybe you've been missing out. Maybe you haven't been praying. Maybe you haven't been doing what you should. Listen, God's grace is sufficient for thee. No matter what we do, his grace is greater than that. And so listen, don't worry about all the past. Tonight, right now, say, you know what? I want to get into the presence of God because I want his peace. I want to get into that presence of God because I want that proof in my heart. I want to get in the presence of God because I want his power. Every head bowed and every eye closed.